almost feels like we're having church in a tiny house with all this thing you know, crammed here. I'm going to be honest, I don't really understand the whole tiny house phenomenon. Like, I don't ever want to, like, live in a place where I'm never more than 24 inches away from a toilet. I just, like, I don't get it at all. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do a stand-up routine on tiny houses, although I do have one written. Good morning. <laughs> well, I just want to let you know, um, boy, just Mary and I and the staff and the leadership, we are just so proud of you guys. We, we bought the place. We bought it. We bought the, uh, the uh, Fresh Start Now house for boys. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with it, we, um, we just bought a former nursing home. We're turning it into a boys' home. We're partnering with Derek and Shatisha Williams, who will be doing most of the heavy lifting, but we're going to get to support them in ministry. And so, I mean, they're in the process of rehabbing it. So we signed the papers on Monday, and uh, it's a real deal. And so just thanks for being real Christians. I mean, seriously, it is just such a, a privilege to just to be part of a church where people are that are really going for it. They really do love Jesus. They really do love people. And so I believe we've got a, a little video from uh, Derek and Shatisha to say, hey. Praise the Lord, everyone. We are here at Fresh Start Now in Thornville, Ohio, off of Pleasantville Road, Northeast. And we are excited. Many young men are going to be changed and transformed. From this spot, we will affect the world. We want to thank Pastor Jim and Mary and the entire Zion family for partnering up with us and causing this ministry to move forward. Who would ever thought 18 days, 18 days that this building would be fresh start now? Hey, this high five is for you, Sean. All the hard work that you put in and all the hard work that you, your whole ministry have put in. We love you guys. We appreciate everything you do. Think about this. Just from this place, it says Fresh Start Now on Pleasantville Road. Doesn't that just prophesy a new beginning? Yes. Hallelujah. You know what? On the count of three, I want you guys to shout to the top of your lung, Jesus. Can you do that with me? Mary, can you grab Jim and shake him up? And we want to hear that voice come thundering from the out of his lungs <laughs> up into the heaven. On the count of three, everybody. One, two, three. Jesus! Jesus! We thank you for all that you have done. Yes. It, it, it's just people like you guys here that make the gospel so wonderful and make Jesus so alive. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. How can you not just smile thinking about those two? They're just Mr. and Mrs. Wonderful. Such a, such a pleasure. Well, we'll be giving more and more updates as, uh, as we progress along those things. And then the um, five-bedroom house we had given to us a little while ago, it's all rehabbed, screening. Uh, we're going to be putting girls who are coming out of human trafficking. Um, so, you know, yeah, now they don't have to worry about expenses. And so, yeah, so good. And then with Safe Families, it's just amazing. Safe Families is a way to keep them out of the foster care system. I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot of solutions for... Uh, and so if God's been speaking to you about taking kids in, I just encourage you just go to the information meeting. Just get it checked out, and it'll, it'll be... It might answer some of your questions. It might be just what God's been knocking on your heart. So you guys ready? I've got some good news for you this morning. Oh, man. Oh, it's so good. I want, what's that? Dish it up. All right. Fresh manna. All right. So um, I want to talk to you this morning about recognizing God's voice. And um, here's my whole point today. You ready for this? This may not sound profound, but it's going to get better and better. You ready for this? God's voice is going to sound like him. So God, uh, he doesn't do ventriloquism. He doesn't do celebrity impressions of the devil. 
like the condemnation, the shame, the guilt, that's another voice. That's never going to sound like God. I don't care how angry the preacher has been, that's not God. I don't care how negative the prophet was nitpicking out your wrongdoings, that's not God. That's not what his voice sounds like. I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. Don't take my, don't take my word for it, for goodness sakes. A.W. Tozer, just one of the great writers of the, uh, of the 1900s, I mean, he's just amazing. He says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Can we get that video ready? There's a video that I like to play every couple years. It just kind of has a way of just aligning our hearts with things. And so, uh, we got, are we getting that thing? Okay, we got the thumbs up. And so, I feel like it just, it just says so much. So, just let this wash over your hearts and minds and renew you. Do you think he can fly? Here he comes. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you... I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Um, Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. Alright, all you sinners, come with me. Time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. This is the greatest Let sermon. All these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. How many of you guys know that's not the voice of God? <laughs> Jesus came to put a face on God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to put a face on God. We're to put a face on Jesus. One of the keys to hearing God's voice is really understanding what is God's nature. Remember, God's voice is always going to sound like him. Here's the good news of the gospel. Here's some good news about what God is really, really, really like. That's the good news, is, is what he's really like. He came to set prisoners free. 
he came to talk about wanting to put a lot of favor on you. So Jesus, he's getting ready to start his ministry, and he kind of has this manifesto. It's almost like a resume of the things he's going to do. So in Luke chapter 4, we're going to have the verse up on the screen here. He's going to read this thing, but he's actually quoting an Old Testament passage from Isaiah 60 that's actually going to talk about what the Messiah does. You guys ready for this? This is what Jesus is like. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given him. So he's pulling out this Old Testament. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. Here's the Messiah. Here's what he's going to be like. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What's good news to the poor? You don't got to be poor anymore. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's interesting, in the very next verse in the Old Testament, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus stops the passage right there because it's not time for the day of the vengeance of our God. I know, I know some of the angry prophets, they may see otherwise. You've heard me say this so many times, but I've heard people say things like this, that if God doesn't judge San Francisco for its sin, then he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's the truth, gang. If God does judge San Francisco for its sin, he'll have to apologize to Jesus. Jesus became sin. God poured out all of his wrath upon sin, not upon his son, but about what Jesus became. He poured out his wrath upon sin, so he has nothing left but goodness and favor and love for you. All the obstacles between his heart and your heart have been removed. God does not deal with you based on who you are. He deals with you based on who he is, and that never changes. That's the good news. He's much different than you think, and so God's challenging us to change the way we think. Let's talk about, I mean, here, Jesus is like, I'm coming to bring favor and good news and setting people free. And we think about this word favor. I remember, it's a very important word to our family. I remember when I was about 10 or 11, this prophet came into the church that we grew up in, in Pastor Keith Church. And uh, he called out our family and had a stand-up. I'd never seen this before. This was, this was brand new to this 9 or 10-year-old. Has a stand-up, and he begins to prophesy favor over our family. He says, everywhere you go, you'll have favor. And so my parents, what they had me do, they were wise parents, they had me go home and uh, got me a concordance, and I looked up every reference of the word favor in the King James Bible, which is not real common in like the more modern translations, but it's all throughout the uh, King James Bible. And they had me underline it in red, the whole verse, and then circle the word favor, and they would have me go through this. Guys, this is what God has come to put upon you, is favor. That there would be something upon your life where people would be favorably inclined to do business with you and like you because there's an aspect of Christ that they see in you. It's a believer's advantage. It's, it's, it's an unfair advantage. Favor is the way that God looks at you because he put you into Jesus. Here's what that means. When the Father looks at you, he does not see anything wrong with you because everything wrong with you, he put into Christ. I'm going to try it over here. Favor is how God sees you. Because he puts you into Christ, he's not looking at you and seeing things wrong. He's looking at, because all that wrong stuff, he's stuck into Christ. When he sees you, he sees what's missing from your experience. That's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to convict you of your righteousness. It says he convicts the world of its sin. He convicts the spiritual world of judgment because it says the prince of the world has been judged. But for the believer, he says he's trying to convince you that you are righteous. He's not looking at you saying, I know what you did last summer. 
I saw you stick up your middle finger. I can't do that voice, but it's so genius. If you squint, it almost sounds like David Jonas. Not, I don't sound like David Jonas. Sound like that. I can just hear him doing like that funny voice that he does, and so, but it wasn't him. Guys, you know how powerful that is. God has come to put favor upon you, which means I'm always going to see you. There's a saying that says, "I want to become the person that my dog already thinks I am." You know, Romans one says that um, God has revealed His invisible attributes through nature, and through so. I mean, what do dogs do? They are always excited to see you. I mean, it's just, it doesn't even matter, like, if you've got bad breath, if you're grumpy, this and that. It's like, I'll go out to the mailbox, I'll come back, and my little Ellie, my little Alejandro, my little sweet bear, I I got it, yeah. And so, I can't believe I talk baby talk to a dog now. It's embarrassing. (laughs) But, I mean, I'll go out to the mailbox, I'll come back, and it's like I've been gone for a week. I mean, she's jumping all over me, giving me, you, you know, guys, it's giving you an insight into the heart of God. This is how he always sees you. He's always excited to see you. He's put favor on you. This is how he sees you as he sees you in Christ. All that messed up stuff is in his son. So when he's speaking to you and correcting you, which isn't like nonstop all the time, but when it's necessary, it's because he's saying, um, hey, let's work on this little area of your life here. And whatever he's pointing out in your life, that's the, that's the site of your next encounter. You guys understand that when God's correcting you, when he's putting his finger on something, he's saying, this is the next place I want to come and meet in your life. How would you like to have an encounter here? When God points something out, he's not trying to rip something out of your life. He's trying to add something to your life. Why am I telling you this? Because the voice that you hear is going to sound like that. Jesus came to show us what God is like. We're to show the world what he's like. Jesus came to bring peace. He says things like this. He went out, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What's God like? He's, he's going around doing good. He's healing. He's setting people free. If you want to understand how, um, it's interesting, there's a place in the Bible where God begins to talk about himself. He's like, this is what I'm like. There's a, in Exodus 34, uh, he's got Moses on top of a mountain. He's got his undivided attention, and something comes out of Moses' heart. And Moses says this, God, show me your glory. God's like, okay, I'll show you my goodness. You ever want to see God's glory? It's his goodness. The more you get filled with that, the more you get filled with the glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, what's that? Christ in you is the only hope that this world has of seeing what God, how really good he is. It's not going to be some glory cloud that floats over Columbus and zap, there's the glory. God can manifest his goodness in a tangible way like that. But ultimately, Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick you in between two rocks, and then I'm going to cover you with my hand. And then I'm going to go marching in front of you, and then I'll let you see my backside. Because the rest of it would just be too much for him. And it's interesting, as he's marching before him, he begins to declare what he's like. God is talking about himself. Why am I telling you this? Because this is what this voice is going to sound like when he's speaking to you. Because God sounds like himself. He doesn't do impersonations of the devil. Here's what he says. This is what I'm really like. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. He didn't say he's got an itchy trigger finger. He's not the Catholic nun walking up and down the aisles with the ruler. He's not the cop out with a radar gun just waiting for you to have a nasty thought. That's another voice. 
filled with unfailing love. These are his words to describe himself. Abounding in faithfulness, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. What's he doing? He names these seven attributes. He's saying, this is what I'm like. And when you hear a voice that sounds like that, you can rest at peace and follow it. That's me. When God speaks to you, it will sound like him, how he really, really, really is. Part of you growing in our ability to hear from God is growing in our perception of what he's really like. It's getting those religious layers off of, you know, I saw what you did behind the church, you know, that, that, that video there. Like, it's stripping off those layers. It's when we disappoint him, it's stripping off that layer of thinking that now that we've disappointed him, we've got to do something to earn back his favor. You know what, I really need this prayer request answered, so I better do something so that God will act on my behalf. I better fast to get his attention. Guys, fasting is a great idea, but fasting changes me. It doesn't change God. The moment you begin to do things to give God a reason to bless you, the Bible calls that dead works, and you're headed for depression. So growing in our ability to hear from God is really growing in our knowledge of, boy, he's good. And then just when you think you've got it, it's like, oh, he's, he's even better than I thought. And I, I mean, my personal experience of God, I got saved when I was, I don't know, like seven, eight, or nine, right around there. And uh, I remember, I remember it was a Sunday night service at uh, the church I grew up in. And Cleddy Keith is my, is my pastor, and so he, he comes here sometimes. You guys will love him if you haven't met him. And I remember um, coming home that night <coughs> and telling my parents, you know, I want to I wanna follow Jesus. <clears throat> and so we know, I remember kneeling down by the bed and uh, praying the prayer. And my parents were so happy. But then I sat in my bed that night, and it seemed like it was all night. It was probably 10 minutes to a, you know, to a little kid. But I just sat there, and it was just like God began to make himself real to me. I wasn't saying like he appeared to me, but there was just something happening in this little boy's heart. And it was, I knew he was good. And I remember going to school the next day and beginning telling kids about Jesus. No one had to give me like a class in evangelism. It was like something happened to me, and I was just in shock that other kids like weren't experiencing these things. I remember I, uh, one of the most memorable, what am I, why am I telling you these things? I'm telling you what he's like. Even a, a, as a little boy, he can begin to reveal himself to children, begin to draw them in. I mean, I love the story of the prodigal son. It's almost like there's these invisible hands. Even when he's running so far away, they're just drawing him back home. I remember when I was in college one time, and one of the big things in college is you buy used books, you sell your books, you know, and it, it's kind of an exchange thing there. And so I was supposed to go buy a used book from this person, and I forgot to bring money. And so I'm walking on my way to meet them, and I'm kind of embarrassed. You know, it's like, oh, man, I don't really know this person, and my first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stiff them on the money and say, hey, can we meet later? And so as I'm doing that, I'm just kind of just talking to the Lord about it, just like, God, I don't really, I'm embarrassed. This person comes and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, aren't I supposed to buy a book from you? I'm like, yeah, I don't have it with me. We're not supposed to meet. And they're like, well, here's the money. They gave me the money and said, we'll just meet later. And, um, and I was like, wow. And as I'm walking, I heard the Lord say, See, I even care about the little things. Guys, I, you can't put a gun to my head and get me to be convinced that God's anything but good. I remember in uh, May 2009 when my sister passed away, um, it never occurred to me to be offended at God because I knew that steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description. Like, not intellectually, my experience of God is that he's been relentlessly kind. You know, uh, some people say, well, that person never changes, and it's usually a bad thing because they need to change, right? 
God never changes, and it's a good thing. He never gets less good. The way he is towards you is not affected by the way you are towards him. When I say he never changes, it means he's always going to be compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and abounding in faithfulness. He lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations and forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin. What's the difference between iniquity, rebellion, and sin? I don't know, but he just forgives the whole mess, okay? It'll probably fit into one of those three categories, whatever you and I have done. I remember I had a friend who was, uh, he was kind of in front of a group of people, and he began talking about how when God speaks to him, God scourges him, and God beats him, and chastises him harshly. And, uh, and kind of, it was so religious because the idea is, like, he's so sensitive to the Lord that, you know, the God is able to talk to him this way in his heart. And I just said, that's not God. What did you just say to me? It's interesting that how angry people get when you... You know, they're supposedly representing God. Now they're angry. And so Moses actually didn't get into going to the promised land because he represented God as angry when he wasn't angry. And so I said, that's not God. He says, yes, it is. That's how God speaks to me. I said, no, that's not how he talks. You'd have thought I said, hey, man, your wife's ugly. Like he was that angry. It was like, like fury coming out of there. Gang, I don't care how spiritual a person is. When they begin to talk about how God scourges them, and oh, I remember he was using the term whips and beats him. I said, no, that's not God. And we got in this big argument in front of a bunch of people. I didn't move, he didn't move. And he's sitting right there. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You guys ready for this? Any voice that you hear that is accusing or condemning is literally not the voice of God. I don't care if it's from a spiritual leader or me or anyone else. It ain't God because he sounds like himself. Any voice that is judgmental is not the voice of God. Any voice that is angry at you is not the voice of God. Any prophetic word you receive from someone has to be compatible with who God is because a prophetic word is you delivering the heart of God. Whoever God is to you, he will be through you. And so if you've got an angry prophet, he's got a wrong lens. The root of everything God has to say to you is to teach you about the height, the depth, and the width of his love and his kindness. Those are the conditions of the relationship that he has set with you, and he will never violate those conditions. Do you know what unconditional love is? He loves you regardless of your condition. You're driving down the road. Someone cuts you off. Some sign language comes out. He loves you. You you have an addiction that you hate and you can't break. He loves you just as much as the person who's raising someone from the dead in front of a crowd in the name of Jesus. He literally, his heart does not change towards you on your condition. He loves you because of who he is, not because of who you are. When you hear a voice that makes you feel like you are the beloved, even on the days you're a hot mess, that would be him. 
The voice that makes you feel like it's good to be you, even though you're in the process of changing, you're not the person you want to be. You know what I'm talking about? When God speaks to you, it's like, I like being me. Like, I want to be this person in the future. Like, I, I want to grow. But it's like, I'm okay with me. That would be him. You and I need to learn to listen, to, to, uh, to still ourselves and listen to that voice that's kind. That voice that's gentle, that voice that's loving. I'm not saying God can't come in and correct you. I remember, boy, just a couple years ago, the Lord, I went away on a, a retreat up in some, I don't know, cabin or something. And uh, the Lord sh- t- showed me that your best testimonies are two years old. And the way that you're sharing the current ones are pointing to you and not to me. I mean, uh, I cried for three days. Not because it was so hard, hard of a word. It wasn't like you slapping me around. But it was just, man, I was so broken. But even in the midst of being corrected like that, my response was, thank you for telling me. That's what his voice sounds like. Even when he's correcting you, you're like, oh, that hurts. Thank you for telling me. I don't want that. That would be him. The voice of God is kind and gracious and joyful and enthusiastic. And it's going to have some humor attached to it because God is wonderfully humorous. God is the most joyful being in the universe, and he loves being himself. Like, it's fun to be God. I think a lot of people, like, picture, like, a CEO with, all, like, all these problems, and God's up the ring. He loves being himself. He's amazing. Study the nature of God, what he is really, really, really like. Because the more you come to know that, the more clearly you'll be able to recognize the voices. Listen, I may have questions I may have issues. I may have things that I want to talk to God about. But my primary job when I'm first coming into his presence is to be still and just listen. And just wait for that peace. A lot of times it just starts off with thanking him and worshiping him. And then it's like, okay, now I know who I'm in the presence of. And then I can get to those issues and questions. But you know what I'm talking about? It's just I'm stilling myself. I'm coming into the real presence of God. When I'm positioning myself to hear from them, I'm positioning myself inside the heartbeat of God. If that makes any sense. It's like, <laughs> I'm wrapped in his love. I'm recognizing he sees me wrapped into Christ, even my issues. He's put them in there so, I, so that I, there'll be no way I could be closer to his heart other than what he's done. So you're coming into his presence, you're wrapped in his love. That's a good place to listen from. I don't feel guilty. I don't feel shame. God doesn't do guilt or shame or condemnation. He'll, he'll tell you the truth in a way that sets you free. And the voice that speaks to you in that way, that edifies you, that builds you up, stirs you up, cheers you up, that would be him. And that's how you recognize his voice, because it always sounds like him. That's it. Short, brief, and powerful. Here's what I want to do. I want, uh, I want to take just two minutes, and I want you to just uh, to get into that place of stillness, just right where you're, right where you're sitting. I, don't, I'm, I forgot to ask you guys this. Is there a, like a song we can play that doesn't have words to it? Josiah, give me a thumbs up. You're awesome. <clears throat> so here's what I want to do. I'm going to read that phrase of God the way he describes himself, and I want you to just listen for the phrase that kind of pings you. And I want you to just take two minutes with the Lord and just let him expand that in your heart. Like, like, like just... 
God, you know, where this like slow to anger. You're going you're gonna to take that and then just see where your imagination goes. See what kind of thoughts come in your head. So let me read it to you first. Listen for the phrase that pings you and then just take two minutes with the Lord and just enjoy that. You guys ready? Compassionate. Gracious. Slow to anger. Filled with unfailing love. Abounding in faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Let's take two minutes. Did you enjoy that? Wasn't that good? You have full permission to do that anytime during the day. And your lunch break and whatever it might be, you can just go out to the car and just, just drink them in. All right, let's stand for closing prayer. Mary's going to come up and uh, explain to us about the arts market, right? <clears throat> Let me just give you guys a, a, a quick word here on this. So I, I'm really just proud of our church. It just seems like, man, just... People are exploding in creativity and entrepreneurship, and I know there's a lot more stuff that's going on than just back there. But I think a lot of times Christians think that financial blessings are going to rain out of heaven, like just some random hailstorm. Like you're just sitting there, you're praying, you're believing, and all of a sudden just finances start flooding into your life. You know what that's called? That's called entitlement. And you can see it. People are like, I'm a king's kid. You know, I'm a son of Abraham. I'm blessed in this and this and that. But they're not doing anything. You've got to give God something to bless. Here's what stewardship is. is, this, is the steward, there's a, there's a parable of the talents, and this master had money, and he gave people a, a, an amount of money according to their ability. And it says they went out and took it, and they put it to work. It doesn't say they just sat there and waited for blessings to come rain upon them. They took something that the master gave them, and they went and worked it. And so what you're seeing today is a result of people who are being stewards of what God has given them. I, I, like I said, I know there's a lot more going on than just this church, what's going on back there, but I want you guys just to get that picture. If, uh, that we are a church of stewards. We're not, you know, we believe God for the big things, but we're giving him something to bless. All right, baby. <laughs>